0: Our minds are so powerful that what we focus on reverberates through every aspect of our lives. So why not see what happens when we put our attention on all the good things people are doing? Join me for the good with Teresa G as we start a ripple effect by focusing on all the greatness in the world. Excited to have Ruth Phillips here today. She has such an inspirational story of complete transformation. Ruth considers herself a health and wellness advocate, a nature loving mother and wife with a fondness for delicious vegan, gluten free cuisine, and what she calls a rather dark emotional past. Hi, Ruth. How are you?
1: Hi, I am wonderful. How are you today?
0: I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for uh, coming here to talk to us. My pleasure. So tell me about your dark emotional past.
1: Okay, well, I started out um, very young dealing with depression and anxiety. That was something... I mean, just from as long as I can remember, even being in elementary school, I dealt with uh, some pretty severe anxiety. Um, I won't go into too much detail because it'll take forever for me to give my whole story about that. But I was diagnosed like I was probably 13. They started putting me on different kinds of medications for depression and anxiety. Um, They told me I had bipolar, which I uh, later in life, I I really don't. I believe that was a misdiagnosis. Um, But Yeah. After that, through the years, I dealt with, um, worsening depression and anxiety. Um, I had a lot of, uh, dealing with a lot of like suicidal ideas and thoughts throughout, um, my teenage years into my adult life until, uh, I developed some problems with alcohol. I was self-medicating with that. I just, uh, I, I was a pretty big anxious, depressed wreck up until, um, up until a couple of years ago when I finally, uh, had some big things happen in my life that really just changed everything for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, t- so tell me about those big things. Well, what happened.
1: Um, I, along with the depression, anxiety and, uh, the, the drinking and stuff, I was physically getting sicker and sicker over the years. Um, A lot of like what some might consider like Lyme symptoms or fibromyalgia symptoms. I never was diagnosed because uh, every time I would go in, I got the whole, Oh, well, you just have anxiety or these are symptoms of depression or, you know, they just threw more medication at me. So I eventually stopped going to the doctors when I was uh, 21. I quit going to the, to see anyone. And, uh, I just started developing worsening pains all over just, uh, Oh goodness. Like nerve pain, muscle pain, uh, bizarre crawling feelings all over, um, migraines, terrible migraines. Um, some of my migraines, I, I I mean, one in particular I thought was for sure a stroke that I, I, it was just, I thought I was dying. You know, I felt like I was dying. My Spirit felt like it was dying and eventually I got so sick that I couldn't work anymore. I had um, a fever for a month straight every day. It would hit me at the same time 3 p.m every day and I kept going to the ER because I didn't have a doctor and at the ER they would tell me, you know, oh you you have anxiety. <laughs> you know? oh my gosh. That was what they told me two times. Um, they gave me x-rays. I had, you know, different testing done. They they couldn't find anything. And eventually I was uh, finally diagnosed with cancer, with um, lymphoma.
0: And that was, was that
1: like three years ago? That was, uh, I was diagnosed August of 2015.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause that's when I, um, I, I started following you around that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So wow! So, what was that cancer diagnosis like um, for you? Almost
1: a relief in a way. We, I from I was always a WebMD-er or a Googler, you know, of symptoms, and I was pretty obsessed there for quite some time with uh, looking up my symptoms and trying to figure out what was wrong with me. As most people do that are dealing with different types of illness, um, especially when they're not getting answers from, you know, Western medical establishment. (laughs) Um, So I pretty much had figured out that I had lymphoma before anyone else had diagnosed me. And it was very scary and frustrating for us to see how sick I was and um, not having no one believe me or listen or, you know, do anything about it. So it was really kind of a relief, but it was also... A pivotal time for my family. You know, we really, when you get that sick, nothing else really matters. Like all you do is you make a decision that you're going to live and then you change your life.
0: (laughs) So that decision to live, talk to me about that moment when you just decided that you were committed to living no matter what.
1: The moment that that really happened for me came a little bit, I guess I'd say it came a little bit later through my cancer journey um when I started so i i s when I first got diagnosed, we did a lot of like uh kind of mourning almost our family together. there was a lot of us you know crying and holding each other and thinking about you know what what could happen you know at first we we went through the steps of like you know i I could die and I I have young children and and a husband and I mean, I'm the
0: the lymphoma Mm -hmm. diagnosis. That's a pretty serious cancer diagnosis.
1: The one I had, um, it was kind of considered rare and, uh, it was an aggressive form. The type that I had was in my chest. Uh, it was, it had blocked off my superior vena cava. So I had, uh, the blood had to find new routes around to get to my heart. um, It was 10 centimeters when I was diagnosed. It was actually extruding from uh, behind my, like, ribs in my chest. So it was, like, visible. Like, you could feel it sticking out. It was uh, was fast-growing from what they said. So it was, like, aggressive. But with it being fast-growing, they also said there's usually, like, a a better chance of stopping it. Like, it's easier to fix than a a slow-growing cancer. Okay. Um. But yeah, when I, uh, I when I really, really decided that I was going to live, it was after I had done a few rounds of the chemo, um, The chemo I was on was an uh, aggressive chemo also, and I had to go uh, I had to go about two hours away and stay for at least five nights in the hospital while receiving the chemo. It was a 96-hour uh, chemo continuous. Like not the kind where you go home and then you go back the next day, kind of chemo. So it was a particularly difficult experience being away from my family and things, and and your kids because you had three kids at that time, right? Yeah, and my youngest was only I think eighteen months or something at the time. Uh, he, oh my goodness, he was little. Um, yeah, so the the chemo it just uh, after a while I felt with everything in me that. I wanted to live in that at that point, the chemo had done what it had, was meant to do for me personally. And I made a big decision that I was going to just change my lifestyle entirely and, uh, and just stay alive.
0: <laughs> because you, uh, you had three sessions of chemo, right? And yes. then, and then you decided that you needed to do something else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and so, and yeah, from what I underst- from what I've read and you've talked about those chemo sessions were pretty intense uh, for you. And so that's a big decision to decide to stop it. And how was the support system? How was your support system when you decided to stop that? My
1: support system was amazing the entire time. I mean, I, I like, I like could tear up right now just thinking about it. Like it was just so touching and beautiful and really just changed my view on humanity and on (laughs) just people in general, how much support I had. I was blown away by how much support I had. And they, no matter what I did, I mean, when you quit something like when you quit chemo, it's a serious thing. And a lot of people don't take that lightly, especially other people that have been on chemo. So, you know, I did get some, you know, negativity about it, but overall, I mean, 99% of, my support was all right there beside me. So,
0: uh, something that you talk about that I just absolutely love, and it gives me goosebumps, um, is you talk about how important it is to focus on health instead of illness. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me about when you decided that, and what that means?
1: That that was one that I just uh, when you focus on illness, you it, you can't break away from that it's like you're you're living that lifestyle you're choosing not necessarily choosing because you don't sometimes realize that you're going in that direction with your thoughts but you it's it's there's momentum there when you're sick and to get your mind out of that is going to promote more healing at least through through my thoughts and my experience waking up every day and going and, and taking you know score of your your aches and your pains and your woes is not going to get you into a different space. If you want to be in a different space, then you have to figure out somewhere else to put your thoughts and, and, and your vibration, your emotions.
0: And it's interesting that you talk about that because there is so much researching research happening that is completely supporting that idea. And they're trying to educate people to not think about their aches and pains because that actually helps their minds move on to other things and then their bodies heal. Yeah. And um we're going to talk a lot about that on the show cuz I've it's just fascinating and it's fascinating what that um change of focus does for people's entire life. And for you, obviously, um would you say that was a, a big component of your changing changing your focus? Definitely.
1: I mean, I I really feel that I got to the point that I did with illness because I spent so many years every day waking up and focusing on, on what hurt and what in all my spare time that I wasn't, you know, working or doing whatever my, my spare time where I sat in front of my computer, I was researching symptoms and studying symptoms and like (laughs) it's you, that gets into you, you know, it's, it just, it gets inside of you. And, and I think if I had been more studying different ways to to be a little bit more positive about my body and about the things I was feeling rather than just, you know, trying to push them away and be real negative about it. I I think maybe things could have been different when it came to my diagnosis.
0: So, okay. So let's go back to you decide you're going to stop chemo. So what did you decide to do? What was the things that you chose to do to heal yourself and to bring yourself to a healthier place?
1: Um, so the first thing that I did was I started practicing meditation, um, every day, sometimes multiple times per day, because I knew number one above everything was my thoughts and my emotions. And I knew that I had to keep those in a good space to be able to give my body the space to do what it needed to do to heal. Um, after that, I felt, so at the time I was dealing with a lot of, um, physical feelings of anxiety in myself um some emotional but i i anxiety for me always more manifested in my body and then i would my brain would go why are you feeling like this you know what's wrong why why are you anxious so i felt that some of that was coming when i was eating animal products which at the time sounded kind of goofy to me but i just felt intuitively like the animals i wasn't eating um you know, like local or, or like healthy meats. I mean, I was eating some organic meats and things, but a lot of them were still factory, um, you know, just not, not cared for creatures. Like, (laughs) and I felt that they, because of their not nice life that I was sort of taking on some of that energy in my food. And I Mm -hmm. felt I really needed to have like clearer food in my body to heal. So then I cut out, uh, animal products first and then I felt the same with, uh, with sugars. And, uh, so I started cutting back on sugars and then it just, it just snowballed from there.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what happens when you start cutting things out or when your body, when you're intuitively told through your body that, you know, this food is, isn't working for you and you let it go. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to see how your, you your body responds, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so one of the things you did was you started cooking in, cause one of your favorite things to do is cook. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yes. So, and that's how I found you is that I started following your recipes because you started posting these awesome uh, vegan recipes and like my husband is allergic to dairy. So like one of his favorite recipes that you posted was the nachos. Like he was obsessed with your nacho recipe. And so tell me about how that came about because you've really started quite the movement of the vegan uh, cooking and great vegan uh, food.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. My nachos are pretty popular. I have a lot of uh, my family that eat just the standard American diet, and they really enjoy my nachos, too. So (laughs) um, yeah, I wasn't I I dabbled in cooking off and on over the years. But I like when I got sick, my husband was the stay at home dad. He he was the one doing all the cooking. I was I rarely cooked. And if I did, he always cooked better than I did. So like it, it was just You know, if I cooked it was just kinda like silly. (laughs) But I um really started cooking out of necessity because the kind of diet that I ended up following, um I'm not sure if I can say it on here what I what protocol I started following is that Oh, you can say it, yeah, for sure. So I started following the medical medium protocol, which is um plant based, no soy, no gluten, no processed sugar, no corn. Um, no vinegar, and they go. There's like some other stuff in there too, but it's really, really hard to find anything in the stores that isn't just vegetables. <laughs> that, that <laughs> you can eat. I mean, when you when you eat like that, not where I live, you can't. So I, uh, especially not for spending a ton of money doing it. And at the time, I wasn't working. My husband was out of work because he was taking care of me <laughs> and the kids. So we had to be cautious and, uh, yeah, there was just, there was nothing to eat. And I was like, if I'm going to make this stick, then I can't be feeling deprived. Like I have to make this work or else I might not live. (laughs) That was my mindset. So I started creating all of my old favorite comfort foods because I'm not going to go my life, not enjoying the meals that I eat.
0: (laughs) And they are so good, some amazing comfort foods. Because my husband feels the same way. He's like, if I'm not going to eat dairy, then, you know, we have to have something that's going to fill me, <laughs> you know? So um uh, one of my favorite, one of your recipes is the uh thyme Brussels sprout. Is that what it's called? The thyme Brussels sprout recipe? Yeah. yeah. It's so good. And it's one, of, it's actually become one of my family's favorites, uh all of us. Uh, so... So you did, I'm sort of getting off track here with the whole food thing, Mm -hmm. which is not a surprise for me. So (laughs) let's go back though. Let's go back to, so what, so you decided to completely, uh, rework your, your diet. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that you decided to do. And then you, you also, uh, started meditation every day and how, how long would you meditate every day?
1: It really depended on just how I was feeling. Um, some days when I was feeling sicker, I would spend more time in meditation or if I was, um, I, you know, it was just really day to day. Sometimes I would sit there for 40 minutes, sometimes five. It just, I wouldn't do hours upon hours at a time. I, um, when I started my meditation practice, I was still fairly uncomfortable in my body. I had a lot of pain, um, especially coming off of all the chemo drugs and everything. And, uh, I had a lot of weird, uh, like indigestion that made it hard to breathe almost. So it just, I was pretty uncomfortable. So sitting like that for a long time, wasn't really, uh, something I could do, but yeah, anywhere, anywhere from five to up to an hour.
0: Okay. Well, that's awesome. Um, And would you, and there's so many different ways to meditate. Uh, And I guess, you know, everyone has to find their, the right way for them. But for you, it was, is it just sitting still and silencing your thoughts or observing your thoughts? I did all,
1: I I still do different ways too. It just depends on my mood. Um, When I started, I very first started with some guided meditations. Um, Those kind of helped me to understand some different viewpoints on meditation and what, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's what each person makes it for themselves. There's no real, to me, there's no real right or wrong way. I know some might argue that, but, um,
0: Me, I I agree with you. you. I agree with you. Absolutely. Right. It's very, there's no right or wrong way. Yeah. For most things in life.
1: Exactly. That's, that's totally how I feel about everything.
0: (laughs) So you're, so you're meditating, you're, you're, you're eating a vegan diet. That's even a little bit more strict than just plain vegan, like no processed foods. And, um, all those, the list that you listed, that's on the medical medium protocol. And then what else? I read that you started yoga too.
1: Yes. I started yoga as soon as I could get out of my chair when I, um, stopped chemo and, and, uh, I started with just five minutes of seated, like seated yoga poses, because I was in some pretty rough shape after that. So I really had to be easy with myself. And I knew that that was going to help me to detox some of the junk that was in me. And uh, I just intuitively felt really pulled to do it. Like I I knew I needed to build my body back up. And it seemed like a really gentle, um, connected kind of like way to do it.
0: I really love what I really love about what you're saying is that you took the time to go inward and sort of just listen to what your body was telling you. Yeah. With all of these things that you decided to start implementing in your life, Um, with the meditation, did the meditation help calm the years of anxiety and depression? How how has this process helped the anxiety and depression?
1: Oh, and just it's. It's like wild. I, I mean, I used to be afraid of my own thoughts and I'm, I'm a talker and I'm a busy person and I love the energy of being around a lot of people. So when I was by myself, I just, my thoughts scared me. I felt like I wasn't good or, you know, like, I don't, I don't really know why, if it was just things that were put into me from society growing up or, you know, being taught that you're, brain's not right from the time you're a kid with them saying, Oh, you know, you have something wrong with your brain, you have a chemical imbalance. (laughs) Like, I just felt like, very fearful of my, uh, of my own self. And through meditation, I was able to break through that. Like I had some very emotional meditations where I, uh, one, for example, I, I pictured. So I have children and you know, that feeling, if you have children, when you're holding your tiny little baby and they're sleeping and they're just so sweet and it's, and you just, you could just fall to pieces over them. So one minute, they're absolutely perfect. Just the way, the way exactly. So I imagine myself in my own arms in one of uh, my early on meditations. And I just fell apart and finally connected with my own purity and my own goodness. And it it was a life changing uh, moment for me, for sure.
0: So, so would you? So, to sum it all up, to so, where are you with the cancer right now?
1: Okay, so that I um I haven't really had any scans or anything since I well before I got pregnant with my my now um, he's about eleven months old. Oh yeah, that's another
0: part of yeah. the story that we're missing. So they said that you would probably, you'd probably never be able to get pregnant again because of the chemo that you received. Right. And then, so then another miracle happens. Yeah.
1: Then I got pregnant. I got pregnant. I was, I think I was about six months out of, off of chemo and I got pregnant. I had no idea that I could even get pregnant again. And, uh, yeah, he was perfect, uh, perfect pregnancy. I mean, this was my easiest pregnancy ever. It it was wonderful. And he's healthy and perfect.
0: And he's still a little plant-based. He is so cute. (laughs) He's such a cute little chubber. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he, so when you, at six months after chemo, you were feeling pretty good, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I had about, yeah, that was about the time that I really started feeling good too. Like it was, because I started the medical medium protocol February I ended chemo in November of the previous year so and then I got pregnant in the summer so yeah it was probably like 4 months or so that I had been on that so yeah I was feeling really good I know 4 months after I started the the medical medium protocol was really when my health like took a turn for the, the better
0: And what I know, what I love about, uh, what you did with the medical medium protocol that I just have to say for a minute is that you were taking some of the herbs and the supplements that he offered Mm -hmm. that he suggests. Mm -hmm. And then when you started feeling better, you actually stopped taking them. Yeah. 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 And I think that's so important because I think, um, sometimes people just keep on taking them and their body doesn't need it and it's almost too much right, for their bodies
1: right yeah i think that sometimes some of us might be missing the mark here that this is a healing uh protocol and it doesn't have to be a forever protocol and it, it, you have to be attuned to your body and and work and i think too we get into like i said before with the sick mindset like you're you're healing you're not sick like you're you're in the process of healing you're not a sick person And I think people get stuck; they get hung up on. Well, I'm very sick, and and if I don't take these things, then I'm going to be very sick. And and
0: I couldn't agree more. I mean, and I and I have no judgment for anyone who's gone through that because I've gone through it myself. Absolutely. So, I'm the only reason I why I'm talking about it is because I've experienced it, and it was a lesson, you know, that I learned. Oh, right. Uh, So, um, but yeah. So, so then you so you get pregnant. And you're working out your whole pregnancy, watching you work out and you seem to have so much energy. And that is amazing. And what else did you decide to do? You started, didn't you start um, training or supporting people that were also sick?
1: Yeah, I started doing some coaching just because um, I had so much, like so many people coming to me, always asking me what I what I was doing and asking me for help and their relatives were sick and and different things like that. And I I was like, I've got to figure out a way to put a label on this and try to organize it in some way because I was spending so much of my time, which I love helping people. But, you know, when you're a giver, you have to make your boundaries with your, you have family and yourself to take care of too. (laughs) So putting it into more of a structured format really helped me to like keep organized, I guess.
0: Well, you have been you're such an inspiration for so many people. Uh it seems like you have quite a huge following on uh social media.
1: I uh, yeah, I I um I got lucky with that. <laughs> I I love talking to people too though and I love sharing. I don't I'm kind of an open book. I really don't feel I ever have anything to hide or to to be secretive about. So I just I want people to know that they're real and and we're all real. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that.
0: I certainly can relate to it. You're like a bright light when I see your posts. They're just so energetic and uh, inspirational and really just, you know, clearing away the static that we're all sometimes exposed to and just really talking about some, you know, deep centered, uh, clear of, of any of the, junk, you know, you're just getting down to the nitty gritty and I love it. Thank you. Um. So, so another question. So what would you say? Did, so we, we never really talked about where the cancer's at. We never really, yeah, <laughs> no, <right. laughs> so you haven't had any scans, but I know that you had your port taken out. I did. I did. So my, uh, my doctor's Well, I was going to
1: Cleveland Clinic, which is the hospital that's two hours away. And I also had a local doctor oncologist that I was seeing. And when I quit um, chemo in Cleveland, I stopped seeing that doctor and just started seeing my local guy uh, who's who's um, great guy, maybe not very interested in what I'm doing, <laughs> um, he, I, I'll never get, I don't know that they're ever going to use the word remission for me. They never have. Um, because I quit because I quit chemo and I didn't follow their rules and I didn't follow their protocol, which is fine. I understand they're taught away. That's their way. That's their job. That's what they do every day. And then some dumb girl comes in there and says, well, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, you know, they don't always, they don't always go for that, but yeah, the, the last scan that I had, um, so when I, when I started, when I, um, got sick, the tumor was 10 centimeters. Well, the last scan showed a mass at one centimeter, but that is not uncommon. Like there there's residual mass often left behind with type of cancer that I had. And sometimes it's up to five centimeters. So one centimeter of residual mass To me, that's just scar tissue, and I haven't had any other scans to prove otherwise. So (laughs) that's where I'm at.
0: You know, the most interesting part of your story for me is that it seems like you had been suffering for many years before the cancer diagnosis, and then it seems like you had you got this cancer diagnosis, and you're suffering almost. It seemed like that was the pinnacle. And then all of a sudden you are getting better, you know, in six month time, all of a sudden your whole body is changing. So that's just amazing to me. And can you sort of talk about that?
1: I mean, that, so if you have a minute, um, earlier in that year, before I got diagnosed with cancer, my then 10 month old baby, he had a seizure, uh, a febrile seizure, but it was, um, not like a normal one. It wouldn't stop. We ended up having to rush him to the ER and they couldn't get it to stop. And, uh, then they ended up giving him phenobarbital, which he had a, uh, life-threatening reaction to, and they didn't realize that was it. So we almost lost him. And that was very, very stressful. It was like two weeks of, um, them not knowing if he was going to live, uh, nobody having any answers. And at that point, Oh my gosh. At that point, up to that point, our family life was very, um, like we were all depressed and we were all pretty miserable. You could just feel a weight when you walked into our house. Like it was just, I didn't want to be here. I like, I mean, we were just all completely miserable. And when that happened to him, I said, this is our wake up call. This is, this is us saying, you guys, you need to get it together or something's going to (laughs) happen. And at the time, I didn't really understand what was happening. But I, uh, you know, for a few weeks, we tried our best to, like, pick up and and perk up and stuff. But it just all, it crashed back down again. And and I kept getting sicker. And so when it happened again with me getting sick to the extent that it happened, I knew, like, this this is it. Like, we got to pull it together. And (laughs) before I really, now I grasp. That when you're asking so strongly to the universe and to to, to all of existence or God or whoever, whatever you believe, when you're really asking like, oh, my life needs to change, like something needs to change. You can either do it the easy way and try to get your head in the right space and and work it out, (laughs) or you can do it the really hard way, which is the way that I tend to do everything. (laughs) So that was that was really existence giving us exactly what we wanted. It just had to be this like crazy, weird, difficult way to do it. But it was like birth. It was just to me, that was the birth of of our new life and of new person that I am.
0: And it's beautiful. I mean, the story is just beautiful. and And watching your family and all of you guys just seem so... So energetic and full of life now, so it's hard to even imagine that because I never really saw that with you. Because I saw you after your diagnosis of cancer, and once again, I'm just going to say, like, it's just amazing to see someone just blossom with a diagnosis of cancer.
1: Yeah, it's not. (laughs) And
0: what a gift, you know? What a wonderful gift it seems. It
1: really was like just a, a total blessing in in our lives. I mean. I, I don't even know, like, if that hadn't happened, I can only imagine just that I would be just super sick or have killed myself. I don't know. Like, I was just so depressed. And so I I literally remember sitting on my steps and being like, I could just go to the park and kill myself. <laughs> and that's not what I wanted to do. Like, I didn't want my life to be like that. And, and I was just so sick. Like, I just felt so terrible. And they, everyone just kept telling me I was crazy. And. <laughs> it was, it was bad, but now it's like, wow, I, I don't even, I don't even feel like the same person. I I mean, I still get sad. Sometimes you still have emotions. I still get angry. I still get anxiety sometimes, but not, not to the extent at all, even
0: close to how it used to be. It's almost like you've retrained your mindset. Yeah.
1: I mean, when I get like that, I, I know now what to do with my thoughts and you know, a lot, I don't know um, if if you know this, I listened, I used to listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks, if you've ever heard of Abraham
0: Hicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Abraham um, Hicks, stuff.
1: Yeah, that really helped me in the beginning to uh, figure out like m- my thoughts and how to shift them. And now it's like second nature for me, especially through meditation. I can just connect with whatever it is inside of us that gives us the answers. It's fairly easy for me to just tap into that now.
0: It's interesting because I was listening to something the other day, and they were saying that your brain is actually not your friend. You have to make sure that you you are sort of a parent of your brain, and it's like a three year old. It will either go one direction, you know, it will just go off in a tangent, or you or you can rein it in right. and pull it back to where you want it. And I, believe that.
1: I definitely believe that. I, I I think that you know we. We're so like biologically driven. So when your baby cries and it makes you upset because you're supposed to take care of your baby and that's like nature's way of getting you to do the things that you need to do. So when you realize that, you know, you're not necessarily your thoughts, <laughs> yeah, then it's so much easier to just be calm about things and, and get yourself narrow, like straightened out.
0: Yeah, I, I agree completely with you. So, well, let's um, see. So what, if you, talking to my the audience, what is the most important thing that you do now to maintain your health? That's like the number one thing that you have to do. Uh,
1: number one for me to maintain my health. Uh, hmm. <laughs> that's a hard one. I would definitely- yeah, it's hard to narrow it down. I would say drinking lots of water and staying hydrated. Hydration for me is like, still something that i feel i battle with and i think Me that hydration <laughs> big one and just lots as much as much fruits and vegetables as i can get that's that's those are my main things taking like the proper supplements to fit your diet since the way i eat i need to take a good b12 so i i feel it if i don't take that um and of course meditation but i i honestly haven't had a lot of time lately to be meditating but i I get it in, you know, if I'm driving, I get it in when I'm cooking, I find little parts of my day that I can kind of, uh, ground myself and, and
0: kind of like, you
1: know, t- get in touch with, <laughs> with my inner self.
0: So, um, and so you have a lot going on right now. So you just, you just published a cookbook. Yeah. I, Tell us how we can, uh, how we can buy that po- cookbook.
1: Um. If you go to Intentional Eats on Facebook, it's Intentional Eats. At the top of the page, there's a learn more button. You can click on that and that takes you to all of my links to everything that I'm doing. And there's two links at the top. There's the, um, the hard copy version of my cookbook or you could get the digital download version is underneath
0: of that. Okay, Perfect. Perfect. And then, um, and then you started, you used to be a hairdresser, right? Mm -hmm. And now you've gone back to you. you, At one point you said you'd never go back to being a hairdresser because it was too toxic, the Mm -hmm. the stuff you use, but now you've gone back to hairdressing and it, you are using all natural hair styling stuff, right?
1: I'm using the most natural that you can get in the professional world. So they remove a lot of the dangerous ingredients that are in a lot of the products. Like I don't work with ammonia or formaldehyde or any of... There's like a few other things, parabens, and there's a there's a bunch of stuff. I don't get too into the science chemical side of stuff because I work so intuitively with myself that I just kind of roll on that side. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot well- of... Reason I didn't want to go back into hairdressing wasn't just because of how toxic the chemicals were, but how toxic it was for me in my mind at the time. Uh, oh. It was very, it caused a lot of anxiety for me and uh, just always feeling inadequate, always feeling like I, uh, you know, I would get off work and just stress about it all night long. And it was just a huge, huge like stress for me. But now I, I'm like a different person and I feel. Like a different person in the industry now as well.
0: So, and I just want to say, you. I want to ask and confirm: you're not on any antidepressants. You're not on no. any pharmaceuticals for your depression no. or your anxiety. No. Nope. Your main medicine has been meditation mm-hmm. for your yes. Yeah. Absolutely, that's so amazing. I love it so much. It just makes it gives me goosebumps. Yeah, really it does. It's it's um, it's been beautiful. Really, it has. Yeah. When you talk about yourself before all this, it's so hard for me to even imagine you like that. <laughs> you no, know, a
1: lot of people didn't know, though. A lot of people didn't know how much I was suffering because I wasn't really vocal about it. And I've always been someone that tried to put their best face forward. I didn't like bringing other people down around me. So, I mean, you could look back. If you go and like scroll through my profile pictures, you can kind of see where the shift happened. And I've done it before and I've looked and I'm like, wow. I like don't smile in any of my profile pictures
0: before the cancer and like, and and just, (laughs) isn't that interesting? You didn't smile before the cancer, (laughs) but the cancer brought smiles. Yeah. Yeah. It really,
1: I mean, cancer and like illness of any sort, it doesn't have to be a terrible thing. I mean, it could really be your ticket to the life that you want. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I agree with you there. And I always say, you know, the darkest moments have taken me to some of the highest moments of my life. So, um, it's pretty cool. Um, so, well, let's see, I wanted to ask you what's one, what's, what would you give as advice for our listeners out there that might be suffering with illness? You've given so much so far, but, um, One last word of advice for them.
1: My one biggest piece piece of advice to anyone, no matter illness or not, is to always find a way to connect with yourself and do what you feel is right for you as a person, as a being. You have to make those decisions and feel like... Connected with them or drawn towards them, you don't have to listen to what other people say, and you don't have to do something just because it worked for someone else. If the healing is so individual, I'm not anti uh, chemo by any means because plenty of people heal on chemo and go on and live the lives that they want to have. But for me, I did not feel that that was going to happen through that route. So you know, just like medical medium stuff might not work for some people and they might have to take different routes or it might work for a while. It's just do what is your feeling pulled towards yourself and learn how to connect to, to listen to your own body.
0: That is, I couldn't agree more. And it's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So people can follow you. Let's just tell them one more time how people can find you and follow you and get your cookbooks and your recipes. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more stuff coming from uh, you. So let's just tell them again one more time.
1: You can find me. uh, My Facebook page is Intentional Eats. Um, Also, you can Ruth Phillips on Facebook. I'm usually smiling (laughs) in my profile page. You, so, are. Yes, you're welcome you are. Yes, you are. Be my friend on there too, if you're listening, and we're not already friends. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. It's intentional underscore existence underscore Ruth. And yeah, that's that's it.
0: One last thing. I saw your hair that you just dyed with turmeric, and I love it. <laughs> I, love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it.
1: Thank you so much. It was fun. It was, it was just like a spur of the moment thing I just decided to do. And I thought it came out pretty
0: fun. (laughs) It looks awesome. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for being on the show and you have so much great information to share. And I'm, I'm just so very, very thankful that you've been able to help so many people out just by healing yourself, by putting yourself first. And, um, Thank you so much. Thank
1: you for having me. I'm so excited about this podcast that you're doing as well. I think you're going to do great things with this. Oh, thank
0: you. I'm so excited too. So, all right. Thank you so much. I'm Teresa Gabrielle, and you've been listening to The Good with Teresa G. You can follow The Good with Teresa G on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you haven't yet, go to the Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening.